What the hell's the name of this song? Is this Wayne's World? The award-winning Evan Grant? I can't even count anymore on my fingers and toes. Kevin Sherrington. Kevin Sherrington, clown number one. Mary Horn. He tried to get me in mid-chew. Hello again, everybody, and I'm Evan Grant. Welcome into the Ballsy Podcast. Oh, so now you're putting yourself above the title of the podcast. Pretty much. Is that I, your contract that you go above the title? I am Evan Grant of the Dallas Morning News, sportsdaydfw.com, uh, and many other, many, many other great, tremendous uh, places. Can you get us a new intro? Can Can you get us a new intro? I'm and a you tired. are who? Who again are you? I don't. Even, nobody cares who I am. I'm just along for the ride. I'm. You, you don't even respect me anymore. I never respected you. Barry. That's great. This is Barry Horn, everybody. Barry Horn of the Dallas Morning News. Thanks for having me, Evan, on your podcast. It's our podcast, Barry. I just want to establish that. Uh, and our partner Ch- uh, uh, Chuck, <laughs> Kevin Cherry. I forgot, forgot his, his name. name. He's been gone so long. He is still in uh, Rio de Janeiro. He's either in Rio, he might be in Brasilia by now, he might be in Sao Paulo by now. He's taking the local home. Let That's me, what he Let me tell you something, Barry. This, all this is, is fun and games, okay? This is about as, there's about as much truth in Kevin's story as there was in Ryan Lochte's story, okay? He is hungover <laughs> from that conga line. He is not hungover, sir. I have known Kevin for 30 years. I've never seen him touch... A, a, an ounce of alcohol. What what happens at the Olympics stays at the Olympics. And I'm telling you, there were caipirinhas all around yesterday. No caipirinhas? What are those? Caipirinhas are the national drink of Brazil. I didn't know that. How yeah. do you know that? Because I was once on a very big caipirinha kick. Can we get to our podcast Caipirinhas now? are made with cachaça. Which what, is, was, a, is this Dwayne Kuiper? It's a similar to a rum. Mel Kuiper? It's a sugar cane liqueur. Um... And uh, I shopped all over South Florida during my kick for uh, cachaça because it had to be made properly with muddled um, fruit. But now you have a life. You're married. You have children. Right. And and, and th- thankfully, you don't have to be. I have a wife, and we have a great time together. Can we, how many times did you have to say that to convince yourself? That no, we had a great We went to Arkansas this weekend and helped Nick move into his, his first real house, which, let me tell you, is a guy house. Is a guy house? It's a guy house. Gina was a little bit concerned. There, there's some must going on in there. How many, how many guys living in the house? Four guys. Four guys. Four guys living in the house. Um, but uh, that was a blast. It, it, it's a real blast being up there and watching him and and wishing that I could go through that whole process all over again. Evan, you went to college how many years ago? I, how many I, decades ago? Uh, I first attended college in 1983, Barry. I graduated college by 1983. That's all That's I'll Because you're an old, old man. Barry, let's get to our guest today. John, he's, he's enjoying this. John, I know he's listening and he's enjoying this whole this whole. Our setup. guest, John Daniels, the general manager of the Texas Rangers, is going to join us on the podcast. He likes to kibitz with us. He, mostly you. He doesn't really like me. He likes you. Evan, everybody likes you. You're like a little puppy dog. Here's Evan. Let's, let's pet Evan on the head. Don't touch my head. I'm very much like Adrian. Oh, you Beltran. like Adrian Beltran. All right, so let's get to John, and uh, we'll let's talk, talk, talk a little baseball, little Rangers, a little perhaps maybe they'll even get to the postseason. Hi, John. I'm surprised you have the time to talk to us, and you're not out on the phones trying to get even another new player for the Rangers. <laughs> not today. Not today. No, happy to have, happy to be on. Thanks for having me on. 
Um, John, so let's talk about that that newest player that you guys added in, in Carlos Gomez. Uh, acted pretty quickly after he was placed on uh, after he was released by Houston to sign him to a minor league deal. And according to Jeff Bannister, he'll come up here and and will be a regular uh, in the outfield mix. What did you guys like about Carlos Gomez, despite the fact that statistically this had not been a great season for him? Well, a, a couple things. I, I think first off, um, you know, this is a, even just a year ago, this was a, an outfielder, a player that was you know extremely well regarded and basically. A, you know, any way you wanted to, to evaluate a player, um, offensively, defensively, base running, um, upside, the whole the age, and, and he's still, you know, he's still just uh, 30 years old. Uh, I don't think, in our opinions, like the physical skills have, have not, uh, you know, really been uh, have not really deteriorated. But he's had a, a really rough 12 months uh, performance-wise. He has not been good. Um, which is why he was available. You know, I had been released by Houston and had lost playing time. And um, if, I, if I knew how to explain it, why sometimes these things happen, you know, we would kind of be all over these things before, you know, kind of get ahead of the curve on it. But sometimes players just really struggle. They have down years. They have down periods. Um, they don't mesh in, in certain environments for whatever reason. And it's no fault of, you know, anybody's really. I mean, Look at Tom Wilhelmson. Tom Wilhelmson had three or four very good years of Seattle, comes over here, you know, and it was not good for us. Goes back there, and with the exception of one game yesterday, like, he's been outstanding for them. And I just think sometimes these things happen, and we're interested in taking a taking a chance. It's, it's relatively low risk. Um, and the other thing of it with Chu going down, you know, we've got a lot of talented guys that have been kind of mixing and matching out in the outfield. Um and we don't necessarily have to lose any of them. They stay with us, and, and we still have those options. But you know, we have one more option that has a little bit upside that's you know not too far removed from seeing that play out in some big league production. And I, the thing that stands out for me on Gomez here is this is a guy who, as a center fielder primarily, had, had according to fan graphs, had 50 run, 55 runs saved over the, pre, over the four years previous to this year. He is an above-average defensive player. Uh, and I don't know that you guys have gotten great defense. You've, you've, you've gotten adequate defense from left field, but as you said, you've mixed and matched. You've moved some guys into the position that hasn't been their, their primary position, and this gives you the possibility of getting more offense there, uh, getting better defense there. Also the idea that there is the possibility that you could upgrade your offense because those guys have struggled a little bit offensively the last two months. I think that's very fair. You know, and, uh, that's very fair. Um, you know, I only thing I hesitate to say he's like clearly a defensive upgrade in left field because he just really hasn't played there. I mean, his playing time outside of I think his rookie year has been exclusively in the big leagues in center field. Sure, but he's an athlete, and you know, he's an athlete. I think he's gonna. I don't think there's gonna be a long transition period there. Uh, and I would agree. Uh, I think that it sh- it should be a, a spark defensively, um, adds a, another element of speed. Uh, to the club, um, and, uh, you know, and offensively, there's upside there. But, but there are a lot of things, all the reasons that he got released, the swing and miss, et cetera, that, that jump out at you and, and you know, definitely are, are concerning. But 
Um, that's why, again, why it was released. That's why it was available for the, the prorated minimum, and, and it's uh, you know a chance we're, we're interested in taking. John, can you explain to me Martin Perez road woes? I can't. You know, I, I don't know. I mean, I think it's you can you know you can kind of try and, and say you know the one big inning and the um, you know the, the less hospitable environment but i'm not sure that's it or it's not it i'm not sure if it's if it's fluky or not um you know i still have a lot of faith in him when he's out there i think he's seen some things that have worked for him you know he's not he hasn't consistently gone to them you know i think early in the season he went so heavy with his sinker and, and you know it was kind of a little bit predictable uh and even though he was getting a lot of ground balls or he was getting hit fairly hard um He's at his best when he when he's mixing both his changeup and his curveball, um, and not just one or the other. Um, kind of use, pitching to both sides of the plate, and uh, you know I, we still have a lot of confidence when he's out there. Uh, yesterday, that that one inning was unfortunate. And obviously, it cost us the game. So, you still have another nine days before your quote unquote playoff pool is set. Is there in your mind, you know, with Carlos Gomez, as you mentioned, you got a guy for the prorated minimum, basically. If you're going to add a pitcher at this point in time, it would it would appear to me that you're going to probably have to take on some more payroll. Do you see any scenarios in which you guys could a add more payroll and b do it with a pitcher? Well, I guess it's two, two different questions. Uh, one is a payroll question, and, um, you know, like I traditionally would answer on this, uh, our ownership has been consistently supportive when there's an opportunity to get better. And uh, so, you know, I, I would expect the same thing here. Um, you know, we had uh, we had a budget uh, you know, that we were able to, to tap into in, in July for trade acquisitions, and, you know, we didn't. Uh, we didn't kind of totally exhaust that. Um, but again, like our, own, our ownership group really wants to win. They've been supportive. And I think if we made a good baseball case, good business case, I would expect them to be supportive again. That being said, I really I don't see a likelihood that we're going to add to the club, you know, especially on the pitching side, uh, outside of external, excuse me, outside of internal additions, you know, call offs and guys coming off the DL with, with Derek and, and Colby and maybe Tanner. I mean, they're just very, very few guys that uh, clear waivers that you know we're interested in at this point. Right, and and that is, I, I think that is the deal on, on, particularly on pitchers. If a guy clears waivers at this point, and you put, if you put in a claim for a guy on waivers, you're likely to get stuck with a, a big contract that extends beyond this year. And secondly, you're also getting a guy who, as we said, you know, on Carlos Gomez, has not performed very well this year in most cases. Yeah, there's just and there's been a. I think the claiming activity in in the league has gone up over the last couple of years. I don't I don't have like numbers to support that we haven't, but it just it it seems as though you know more and more guys get get claimed, get blocked, and more it blocking creates yeah. a, it just creates a lesser pool, uh, you know, to trade for, which is you know I'm I'm fine with that too. That creates a lesser pool for our competitors to upgrade from as well. Sure. Is, is there one of those pitchers uh, that you mentioned coming back uh, f- 
from injury who fans uh, might want to pay most attention to, who, who, you, who, who would be the greatest help? Would you be willing to say that? You know, listen, I think you can make a case for all three of them, Barry. But you know, at the end of it, I would. I'm I'm excited to have all of them back. Honestly, I'm I'm really looking forward to seeing Colby come back. Uh, just based on nothing more than you know what he's what he's done for us this year. You know, I mean, his whole career obviously he's been one of the more underrated guys out there. But I mean, this year he was. I mean, you really look at uh, some of our. Our starting pitching issues, and when Colby went down, that's when it that's when it kind of jumped up and bit us, you know. So uh, I think getting him back, and he's still, you know, he's still a few steps away. It's more speculative. It's not a, it's not a lock. We got to get him out in a game first. But um, I'm excited to have Derek back tomorrow, and I'm definitely looking forward to getting Colby back too. And you could have Tanner back by September one. Uh, we'll see. I mean, he's, he's only made a couple of appearances. Um, it's possible, you know, it's possible. I don't think he'll have kind of passed all the tests yet as far as, you know, back-to-back and really testing the knee and game situations, okay. fielding his position, you know, all those. Stuff. But, you know, with the expanded rosters in September, it's, it's something that we, you know, we may be able to, uh, uh, you know, have some flexibility and not have, not necessarily need him or even Colby, not necessarily need them built all the way back yet. Okay. Um, the 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 trade deadline deal for me that that stood out was was obviously adding with Lucroy. Have you seen an impact on your pitching staff from him in the th- three weeks that you've had him? Yeah, I, I think so. I mean, I think two things. One, you know, he's he's very talented. He's very good, uh, and always has been as far as calling a game, handling a staff. Um, you know, all those sort of things. So, you know, I think there's a real benefit. I, I think the other piece of it is that he, he comes in with the reputation, the skins on the wall, the, the the equity with the staff to where, you know, two people might say the same thing, but it means more coming from one than the other just because of, you know, maybe their their experiences or what they've done, et cetera. And so I think there's a there's like an instant trust associated with, with uh, Luke Roy, and um, you know, it does. It does seem that our staff's benefiting from that. So, the the other part of that is, this is really the first time you've had an every a, a an everyday catcher uh, for. Would you? I well, AJ started a lot of games for you the year he was here, but. This is a guy who I felt like I felt like Napoli was that for you know from probably the second half of eleven and, and twelve, you know. Um, but yeah, but uh, I, I, other other than that, I, I would agree with you. And people have mentioned to me Napoli and, and his preparation, and that he and, and and Jonathan are are very much on the same wavelength that in the way they put together game plans and and how they prepared for games when they were catching. Well, and the interesting thing with, with Napoli is he didn't really have that reputation, right? Coming in, to, you know, when we got him, I mean, he, he did not. He was an offensive catcher first, and, and we probably viewed him that way as well. Um, but that's, you know, I mean, that was why he, I think, why he wasn't in Anaheim any longer. And you know, they had Mathis and other guys that were considered better 
game callers or def- or at least had that reputation. When when Nath got over here, I mean, I think a lot of it had to do with him being such a good teammate and you know so prepared. I mean, our our pitchers did, I think, have that same kind of confidence in him back there that they do have with Luke Roy. But they came in at the time they came in. You know, Nath and Luke Roy was very different. Reputation uh, perceived, wise, yeah, yes. the perception was very different. Uh, JD, what what should fans make from the Mazzara and Profar uh, slowing down uh, as the uh, finish line gets nearer? Uh, were they just so above what you expected earlier? The expectations were too high, or is this about what you thought would happen uh, before the season with them? I wouldn't say like, expectations are too high. I mean, they're they're both talented players but they're really young and and this game is very hard you know and this game is very hard and it's, it's you know very very few guys maintain it consistently wire to wire and even fewer young players are able to do that yeah i think with, with no more and with jerickson the two kind of different set of circumstances jerickson one hasn't played in two years um and and no more had never been to big league camp before and he's never played past august before so you're talking about you know, potentially extending his season on both ends. Um, uh, so, I, you know, I, I think it's reasonable to, to kind of expect to see some, uh, you know, challenges as, as they go through the season. Um, that being said, like, you know, they've both been able to get some rest here lately. Um, I, I think, you know, Vanny said him no more that uh, a game against the righty against Oakland last week with the thought being that, you know, we're trying to, to – spark him up a little bit, get the body refreshed, and, you know, look for him to make a real contribution down the stretch. Yeah, he got. I think he got two straight days off, one against the lefty and then one against the righty. And, and clearly with Gomez arriving, you'll also be able to, to spot them up a little bit more and, and match them up a little bit. John, this, is, uh, this has been great. Thank you for taking some time um, at another busy point in time in the year for you. And uh, – I will just leave you with this. You know that today is the ninth anniversary of the thirty to three game. I was not aware of that. Do you have, so? Will you now go out and celebrate that? Uh, you know the, the 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 back office joy of that that game was there was like a an extra layer to it because if you recall, you know we had the the um, it was a makeup game. Right. Doubleheader, and we started this doubleheader on a getaway day. What like either was it was five or six p.m. It was a and, yeah, it was uh, a late afternoon start. Yeah, but it was like later than normal, right? You know, and we uh, we appealed to Baltimore ever which way to start it earlier, and uh, it was like a getaway day. We weren't going to finish the second game till like I don't know, well, you know, whenever we finish eleven, twelve o'clock at night. Just seemed it seemed unnecessary, you know, uh, to do it that way. And anyhow, they for business reasons and ticket sales, whatever, they decided to you know, keep keep the start time. At, again, I don't remember when it was. I think it was at least five o'clock, I, if not I, later. I think you're right. I, I, yeah. And and so there was a little bit of like, you know, karma, baseball gods uh, coming through. So we you know we we won both games and obviously put a thirty spot up in, in one of them. So. I mean that was uh, it was a fun one to watch. It was a fun one to watch, and it's one that uh, when you when you look back at the box score and you see Ramon Vasquez with seven RBIs in that game, that uh, 
that certainly stands out as, as quite an accomplishment. So, all right, anyway, we will let you go, and we will be in touch soon. Thanks for the time. Thanks, John. All right, all right guys, thank you. Yeah, that was a great. That double header was ridiculous. It was the, the Rangers scored thirty nine runs that day in Baltimore. They scored thirty I, I, in the first game and nine in the Evan, second. Evan, you know, I don't even remember what happened yesterday. I just somebody had tweeted it. Oh, somebody had tweeted it, and it was it was a double header, and it was a makeup game, and the 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 Rangers scored sixteen runs in the eighth and ninth innings of that game. To make it to take it from fourteen to three to thirty to three. Well, did they were they able to put any of those runs in the bank that, that they could use nine years later? Uh, no. Oh, so no, you can't do that, Barry. That's yeah. not how sports work. Um, and then they scored nine runs in the second game. You're fixated game on this. You're gonna you're gonna still talk about this. Game. Oh, it was a great day. It was, it was an incredible day. That that second game, these <sighs> were the pitchers that pitched for the oh, Rangers: John God. Reinecker, Mike Wood, Frank Francisco, Joaquin Benoit, and the save went to C.J. Wilson in game two. How about that? How about that? Thank you. Can we can we now talk about something relevant? What would you like to talk today? about? I would, I'd just like to know what you think uh, the next couple of weeks uh, portend. For the, the next Rangers. couple of weeks are very crucial. The Rangers play two games in Cincinnati this this week, and then they come home for four against Cleveland, which is the team right now challenging them the most for the best record in the American League. Then they have three against Seattle, which is the team contending with them for the most like in the thank, American League. Would you West. like to thank Tom Wil- Wilhelmson for his uh, effort yesterday? I, you know, I'm going to be at the games whether so. they win or lose. But it, he certainly did give up a game tying home run, and then then the go ahead run after that. Are, are you committing to covering every game for the rest of the season now? No, I'll just be at most of the games. Because okay, Kevin Kevin Sherrington in in Brazil just texted me, and I'll show you the text. You want to know how many games you're going to cover the rest of the season? Yeah, they play. So they play oh, Cleveland for four, that. then three for with Seattle, then three with Houston. Very big ten game homestand in which they can, for all intents and purposes, create some separation in both the American League home field. And this is significant, Barry, because uh, I believe the American League won the uh, the All-Star All Star game. game this year. You have home field advantage for the American League playoffs. You have home field advantage all the way through the World Series this year. Uh, secondly. Seattle comes in. You can create some some significant distance between you and the Mariners, especially with a four game series at Seattle coming up the following week. Or this could get very interesting. Or it could get very interesting, and you've got three games right before uh, you leave for Seattle with Houston, which has you know which swept Baltimore, which to me looks like a dying team uh, right now. The, the 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 Orioles are short on starting pitching, uh, and I expect them to fade out of the playoff race. The Astros may have uh, have have sparked up their their chances of of being in some kind of playoff race with that win yesterday, or with that sweep over the weekend. So that the next two weeks are really important for the Rangers. Um, six games against Houston, four games against Seattle, uh, seven games against Seattle, uh, four games against Cleveland, and then in between there's a three game series against Los Angeles. That said, you get to the end of the season. The last 15 games, 12 were against clubs with winning with losing records. And I know what you're going to say, so go ahead and ask the question. Uh, don't the Rangers, aren't they having problems this season against teams with losing records? Is that what you want me to ask? That's what, but that's what you're, what you're going to ask. And the bottom line on all that is I'd still rather play teams at this point in time that are bad teams than good teams. Because the good teams have something to play for, the bad teams don't. So I think that is all very – those records are all very fluky. Uh, the, the Rangers had 
a very little success against the Minnesota Twins in the middle of July when they had absolutely no pitching. So, you know, th- those things kind of knock things out of, out of kilter a little bit. Um, but they are at home for most of the last two weeks. They are playing losing clubs for the last two weeks. If they can maintain their lead over Seattle, when they get through that, that two-week stretch, they will. I, I think they will be pretty much home free. All right. So, are we about ready to wrap this up? I just thought. I just thought of an offer I could make to you. What's that? You have promised to buy me dinner if I can get Cowboy owner Jerry Jones on a Cowboy podcast. Yes. Correct. What could I buy you if you get Ranger owner Ray Davis on a on a podcast? I, there's nothing you can buy me because I can assure you that Ray Davis will not be doing any podcasts. Um, Here's the thing. As John Daniel said today, you know, they added payroll with Beltron. They added payroll with Lucroy and a commitment for next year. They added some payroll with Jeffress. Uh, the, the addition of Carlos Gomez is only really about a $100,000 investment for the rest of the year. But they added significant payroll at the deadline. As an owner, he does what an owner is supposed to do um, to be an effective owner. Ante's and that up. is he ante's up. He ante's up. They pay the bills. They, they're willing to pay for talent. And I don't think that this guy has ever been a guy who is in this for... Um, to make money? No, he's in it to make money, but I don't think he gets any kind of personal gratification out of being in the spotlight. That, that's This is not to take away from Jerry. This is not to take away from Mark Cuban. They've both done significant jobs for their franchises, uh, but they're both larger-than-life personalities. I think when you think of the traditional sports owner, that's the kind of guy that you would like to see write the paychecks and let the spokesman for the team, the general manager and the manager, Jerry lets the the, Jerry lets the general manager be the spokesman for the team. The general manager happens to be Jerry. Oh. Um, and then for all intents and purposes, I think you know Mark is the general manager for the Mavericks. These are guys who are much more involved in the day to day, on field and on court. Uh, I'm not so sure that's true. I think Mark wants to be viewed that way, but I think he lets Donnie Nelson. I think Mark's very involved in decision making. I think he's a, and I think Ray Davis is involved in decision making in this regard. I think he asks questions. I think he wants to know pluses and minuses, but I don't think he ever goes to John Daniels and says, "Go get this guy" or "Go get oh, that guy." Absolutely not. No. Do, you, do you think he even would know who to get? Oh, I think Ray Davis is pretty savvy when it comes to baseball, but I also think he's. You think he has a fantasy league team? No, but I think he's savvy as a baseball fan, and there's a big difference between being a savvy baseball fan and being a savvy baseball industry person. Um, and, and and that's the bottom line on Ray. So I, I don't... What about know, Bob? Uh, I would not think that, that Bob Simpson would be doing the podcast. I don't think Neil Liebman will be doing the podcast. Ranger ownership is not going to be out there doing a whole lot of interviews. We have secured the one and only long interview with Ray Davis, which Brad Townsend did last year, early in the season. Uh, and I just don't think that, that they see a, whole, a lot of need for that at this point. They're, they're just that they're just different people in that respect. What else can I answer for you, Barry? You can tell me what else other podcasts we oh, so have. So you're both. done with baseball. That's your only baseball question. Yeah, yeah. It's the only baseball question. You don't have any, any questions about the club? No. N- no further questions, thank you. Not at this time. The uh, prosecution rests.
Okay. Uh, well, the other things that we have for people this week are uh, on the Cowboys Bozzy. We have Daryl M- M- Moose Johnston. You love, say, you love saying that. I'm afraid to say Moose now because you told me he doesn't like it. I was kidding. All right. Well, we have Daryl Moose Johnston, uh, Fox analyst and former Cowboy fullback, talking about what he's seen in the preseason from this team. And it's it's a really good it's a really good perspective to get, especially on Dak, especially on Dak and the things he's seen away from the ball. And as you know, he he cautions against being too. Uh, so you're going to give away this podcast too? Yeah. Well, yes. What? Why? Why are you a teaser? Your whole life you could be a teaser. Let them listen, Barry. That's the point. But, but, Let them listen. But, but he'll. But he. But he will caution about being too right. gung ho about okay, a preseason So in other words, game. now I guess nobody needs to listen. Evan, you're so, you're Mr. Tease. And on the college edition of Ball, I'll zip my mouth. I won't say anything. I won't even hint at what Chuck Carlton says. Well, I will say this: that Chuck discusses being partially naked and not afraid, though. I am, I am. But Chuck, Chuck we we went over the AP and Chuck's own rankings since Chuck is an AP voter this year. Correct. We went over his preseason rankings, and we went over overvaluations and undervaluations of of teams in the top twenty five. It kind of broke. I think maybe let, let me let me let me phrase it this way. So I'm teasing. Maybe he breaks my heart when when he tells me that Houston maybe can or cannot be uh, uh, in the college football playoffs. We've got to work with you on teases, Barry. You got to work with me on a lot of things. Yeah, I know. Um, and then we just finished this great podcast with John Daniels. He was he was tremendous talking about the addition of, Char- of Carlos Gomez. I hate to bring this up again, but Kevin Sherrington was texting me. He's in the airport in Rio, can't get out of the country. Uh, I'm worried about him. But he, he, his, his journey home, his journey back will take him to Sao, Sao Paulo, Brasilia, Miami. And he wanted to know if at any of those stops he could help stop and get John Daniels a pitcher. Uh, Maybe Miami. Is he stopping in uh, Santa Domingo? That's what I asked him. I said, "Will you?" St-? He said, "At this rate, he may stop in the Dominican Republic. You never know." Um, no, I. You know the. And John's not going to mention any pitchers. Right. Um, the one guy you wonder if would would get to the Rangers would be Irvin Santana. Um, as he mentioned, there's a lot more blocking going on these days. Maybe that was code for him saying that, that they've already been blocked on trying to acquire a pitcher. Maybe Santana has already been run through waivers. Um, but even if Santana got to you, there's two more years left on his contract at $13.5 million a year. So you'd have to be willing to take on, and this is not a deal where he would be released like Carlos Gomez was. If you claimed him on waivers and Minnesota, and you couldn't come to an agreement on a trade and Minnesota just decided – now, we just want to be rid of the contract. They stick you with the rest of the contract. You get the rest of this year, which is, I don't know, at this point in time, about two and a half, three million. That would be chicken feed if, if he were the pitcher they need. If he were the pitcher they need. But I also think that, you know, Irvin Santana, what you can say about Irvin Santana is he's a serviceable veteran. Uh, he's not pitched traditionally very well at Globe Life Park in Arlington. Um, and... You know, I don't know that he's the kind of guy that that you also want to say, I want to rest my playoff hopes in. I, I think that the best case scenario for this club is that Derek Holland comes back, pitches well for the next two weeks, 
and the Rangers get through this 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 two week stretch that, that they've got coming up, and at that point in time they can bring Colby back. Colby is a World Series veteran. He has pitched well in the postseason. I also think he's a little bit motivated because last year he was, he was left, left out, out of the, of the rotation. Certainly, of the pitchers Tanner Shepers, um, Derek Holland, and Colby Lewis, he should be the pitcher that fans want to see come back the most. I, I because I think this Colby's stuff is the same as it's pretty much been for the past six years. It's eighty-seven miles an hour, but he knows he's how to pitcher. pitch. He knows how to pitch. Derek is still trying to adjust to being a, a pitcher with a little bit less velocity and a little bit less ability to go inside, and that's a big adjustment for a pitcher. And Shepherds is a reliever. Shepherds is a one-inning guy who maybe not that this team doesn't need a, need some quality relief. No, but they could use they could use some extra arms. Yes. Keone Kella has struggled a little bit lately. You know, Tony Barnett is is coming up on this is his first year in the major leagues, uh, and and the same things that apply to guys like Nomar Mazzara would apply to Tony Barnett at the age of 32, being a big league rookie. He's facing the best hitters in the world and has faced them in high leverage situations for the last two or three months. Uh, so the, all of those guys could use some extra rest. I think, though, that, that the biggest acquisition this club could make would be the addition of a, of a healthy Colby Lewis for the, for the last Absolutely. two weeks of the season and being ready to pitch in the postseason. And what do you think the chances of that are? Dr. Grant? Uh, I think... Paging Dr. Grant. I think given the amount of time the Rangers gave him to heal the lat muscle, which I think they were exceptionally conservative on, uh, not, not, not a poor decision. I think that was the right decision when you're talking about an older guy who's had some injuries. Uh, I think that was the right decision. I think the chances of him coming back and being effective... Uh, I'm going to put them at at 65%, um, which in my mind is just it, it's better. It, it's certainly better than 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 50%. I think you're you're you've got a good chance of him coming back and being effective. Well, I think you just made a lot of Ranger fans very happy because that's 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 a lot. That's two basically 67%, 65, 67. That's two out of three. That's pretty good. And I would take my I would take my chances in a playoff in in any five or seven game playoff series. With Hamels, well, Hamels, Darvish, Colby as my three pitchers. Is that the and is that the way you go? Lefty, righty, righty. Uh, you could. It, I I think that whether you go Hamels, Darvish, or Darvish, Hamels, and right now I think Darvish is pitching ahead of Hamels. Whether you go right, left, right, or right, right, or uh, left, right, right, I, I don't know that that matters. Um, because you're going to be facing the same club. For three straight days, you're going to be facing the same hitters, which, both which, the lefty and it. It all comes down to who's rested at that point. Is, is there a club you'd like to see the Rangers face in the first round? Uh, not, not Toronto because they don't match up well with those hitters. Um, and I think that that's got another chance to be a very. Um, uh, What's the right word? I'm trying to think of the right word. What's the right word? I, I'm not going to say emotional, violent, but I think emotional, yeah, emotional series. Um, on a, on a number of fronts, and there's there's liable to be some bad blood, and there's liable to be some things that that get out of hand. Um, I, I I think that you know the Rangers have pl have won two out of three from Cleveland, and that was in June. That was before Cleveland really struck. Cleveland's got the best starting rotation. Um, I think I think 
that of the teams that I see in the playoffs, and I don't see Baltimore in any longer, I see Boston as one wild card or the division winner, and I see Cleveland and I see Toronto as a division winner or wild card. I, I think that Boston would probably be the best matchup, and let's face it, no matchup in the playoffs is really great. You know, in the National League, if you're the Cubs and you're playing a wild card team that's five or six games over 500. That's one thing. Over in the American League, this is a very evenly matched group, and I think you've got. Uh, I, I think that there would be a lot uh, left to be determined on the field. Thank you for being so uh, succinct. I can't wait for Kevin. Oh, what? <laughs> let's uh, let's wrap it up. All right, Barry. I'm uh, going to wrap it up now. Thank you for joining us today. I, I didn't join you. I'm part of this. Thanks Thanks for making me feel like an outsider again. This is so whatever. Uh, but it was a, it's been a great day, Barry. You did a great job getting Daryl Johnston. You did a great job getting Chuck Carlton. And I did a great job getting John Daniels. What do you have on John Daniels that he's always so willing to, to be, I, to be, to be with us? In all honesty, I just think that over the last two years, both, both I think the Rangers front office has really grown comfortable in their own skin and they're much more at ease doing interviews. I just think that that's the I, I think that's the case. It has nothing to do with me. I didn't think so. Yeah, I don't. I'm not very persuasive. I didn't think so. All right, Tommy's playing the music. Tommy, thank you for for being such a great producer today. Anytime. <laughs> Tommy, we what, got Tommy in there. Yeah, Tommy. In. Now we have to pay him because we used his voice. Yes, it's coming out of your paycheck. Okay. All right. Goodbye, everybody. <laughs>